we kind of did ongoing coverage just so people wouldn't forget about them, about five members from an airline called Pivot. And they were Canadian members of an air flight team who were first under arrest and in jail, later under house arrest in the Dominican Republic. And these are the people who found duffel bags full of cocaine on the plane they were supposed to be flying from the Dominican Republic back to Canada. They reported it to police. And then they got arrested for it. This weekend, this past weekend, W5 investigative reporter Avery Haynes did an investigative report. And she joins us now. It's nice to have you. Nice to be here, John. I wanted to follow up with you this morning because, I mean, there was an awful lot of meat to that report. And there was, for the first time, surveillance videos. Some curious aspects to that story, though. Where do you want to start? Wherever you want to start, I feel sort of, you know, the, I mentioned it when I was doing promotions for the airing of the documentary last weekend that this is just such a wild story. When I first uh, reached out to do to do this story back in April when the crew was first detained, uh, you know, I worked for quite some time to convince them that it was a good idea for me to go down there and spend some time with them in their safe house. You know, they were so concerned about safety. They'd been moved. We were at their fifth safe house. Um, because obviously they disrupted $25 million worth of cocaine uh, um, from a pipeline that extends from Dominican Republic to to Canada. And initially I thought this was going to be sort of an access piece, seeing what was it going to be, what was it like for five colleagues to have to live together under these really extraordinarily difficult situations, first being in jail together, then just living life under this sort of constant threat. It turned into a much bigger investigation uh, because our focus really was on telling the human story, but also on the criminal story and not just uh, the criminal story from the Dominican side, because there were so many shady and mysterious things happening there, but also in this country. You know, what what plans were made to pick those drugs up in Canada? What was the RCMP doing about what, lots of evidence that they had of, of crimes that were committed in this country and were about to be committed in this country? What were you able to tease out of the surveillance video? And in particular, it's kind of like Nixon's famous tape. There's uh, 43 minutes missing from one of the surveillance cameras. Right, and this was, to me, an extraordinary aspect of the story, is that the prosecutor in the Dominican Republic had given the crew lawyers hours and hours of raw surveillance raw surveillance footage. And the lawyers had shared it with the crew members. Well, they don't have a lot to do. They're living under a virtual house arrest, and so they were all sort of pouring through the, the videotape. And it was Christina Carello, the, the only woman in the crew, who spent... She was said she was about four hours into the tape, and while everybody else was kind of focusing on what might be happening around the plane, she kept her eyes on the timestamp up in the top left corner of the surveillance video, and all of a sudden saw it jump, and then went digging around into the files that were sent and found another camera angle that had not been edited, where you see a Punta Cana airport truck pulling up to the plane, you see black duffel bags stacking up underneath the belly of the plane, and then you see those bags being put into the plane. And so hotel surveillance footage of that same time shows that none of those 12 Canadians, the five crew members or the seven passengers, were physically able to put those drugs in the plane because they were all in their hotel rooms. Wow. So, I mean, moving forward, is this still an open case? I'm guessing these five never want to go back to the DR. 
They don't, but I do think this case raises a lot of questions about what the government does for people when they're trapped in another country, as these were, and what the RCMP is doing. And neither feel that they have much of a responsibility to the Canadian public to tell them. You know, during this eight-month ordeal, the crew made a very public, it looked like a hostage video, appeal directly to the Prime Minister just before his Summit of America's meeting in California. And he's kind of yucking it up with the president of the Dominican Republic about what a great place it is to travel to the Dominican Republic while he has 12 Canadians trapped there and not responding to their pleas to get us out of here. And during their ordeal as well, two minors got trapped underground for 10 days in the Dominican Republic. And the Dominican government requested and received help from Canada. Canada sent over, the Canadian government sent supplies to the Dominican to help free two trapped Dominicans, meanwhile seemingly doing not a whole heck of a lot for the 12 trapped Canadians. And you can see, you know, people have asked me, how how much support did the Canadian government do? Well, if they did any, they sure aren't bragging about it. These people have been home since December 1st, and you haven't seen any tweets, welcome home, or I think the transport minister mentioned something. But, it, you know, I've, I've done an awful lot of stories of people who get into difficulties in, in foreign countries, and and the, the diplomacy uh, seems to be act, active far more than sort of using, uh, using a hammer. Can, Canadians represent the second largest group of travelers to the Dominican Republic who relies heavily on tourism. We had the power, Canada had the power to be a bit stronger on this. The, the, the CEO of Pivot Airlines believes that that crew was stuck there for an extra three or four months because of inaction of the Canadian government. They knew about that video surveillance that cleared them of being physically involved. The RCMP is another thing, you know, Pivot Airlines gave us all of the documentation that we needed in order to track down the charter airline that the, the guy who the, the guy in Edmonton who paid at least one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to charter this plane, and you know the RCMP are they doing anything? Well, they say you know we will neither confirm, deny, nor give details on an active investigation, which sort of implies that they are. But on that, you know, we know that the charter airline uh, w- was used twice by a company that doesn't exist. <laughs> and in that first flight that went down in January, three of the four people had serious drug trafficking convictions or, or had charges laid against them that were then stayed. On the flight where there were 12 Canadians trapped, one of them had, it had also a drug trafficking conviction, a possession conviction, just in 2020, who was also listed as an employee of a company that doesn't exist. I mean, there were so many sort of twists and turns that could have been fodder for a very strong RCMP investigation. And, and you know, we know nothing about that. We are definitely continuing our investigation because there's so much more to this. Avery, thanks a lot. Always a pleasure. Thanks, John.